0: hello everyone and welcome to the finale of in the spirit of horse this is the true finale finale we are wrapping up this podcast (sighs) and i am just really filled with so much gratitude um this podcast has been maybe one of maybe the most creatively fulfilling project i've ever done and it has just brought me so many friendships and has connected me to so many people and has really also brought me so much closer to everyone listening and to this community of amazing horse lovers here. And I'm just so beyond grateful. I don't even really have the words for what this podcast and what you guys have meant to me. And it's coming to a close because I feel like it's really complete. Um, you know, I just I want to honor it because it's been so amazing and I feel like it's fully birthed in a way, and that it is what it was meant to be. And I want to really honor that by closing it um, with a real ending, with a real finale and a celebration of what this has been for you guys and for me and for all of my friends who have been a part of it. I want to thank you guys so, so much for listening. I mean, it's just your comments and your engagement with me has really meant the world to me. And the fact that we did the summit last year and I was able to meet a lot of you guys in person and a lot of the guests that I've had on that we had on through Skype in person as well, was just mind blowing and just, yeah, so, so heart filling for me. And this isn't really the end i think you know when it comes to this community um, but i think that it's time to for me to move on to new things and to make space for that and you know to let other ideas be formed and created and birthed out into the world but first i really really want to honor this one cuz this one was huge for me and yeah i just i'm in love with it i love this podcast i love you guys and I'm re- I'm ready to celebrate. I'm so excited to celebrate what this has been. And so this week, I'm bringing you guys our final episode with my amazing friend, Nina Polo. You guys probably know her if you've listened to the podcast a lot. Um, she's been on many times. Nina and I started a wild horse sanctuary a couple years ago, um, maybe one or two years ago, um, together here at the ranch that I live at. And in this episode, we are talking about the Wild Stallions and actually talking about the decision to geld the Wild Stallions, which was never how I would have pictured ending this podcast. Um, I don't think that would have been like an episode topic that I would have thought would be like the finale, but it feels so right. And I'm really happy about it. And Nina and I just recorded it and I feel like it was exactly how I wanted to end things, and feels like a great final episode. Um, and yeah, I just, I'm happy to be here and share it with you guys, and also, you know, you've been on this journey with the wild horses too. This podcast has been going on from the very beginning when we first got the wild horses up till now, which is kind of like the shift that is happening, so it feels really appropriate to me to wrap it up with an update on what's going on with the wild horses and uh yeah I just uh, I'm so grateful you guys so grateful you're here and really excited to bring you this episode with Nina. I don't want to stay too long in this intro period and I want you guys to just get into the episode so for the final time uh let's jump right into it. Hi, Nina. Uh, Welcome to another episode of In the Spirit of Horse. This is probably one of our last, very last episodes of the podcast. And I'm really happy I'm doing it with you. Me too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of interesting, you know, when you were talking about this might be one of the last episodes. There's definitely like a sadness around that. And there's also like a really nice celebratory energy around Ending things and you know yeah. wrapping things up and uh, putting opening kind of doors to new projects and new passions and new learnings.
0: Yeah, that is definitely how I feel. I kind of well, I was telling you earlier um, the reason I'm wrapping up the podcast is because it's been the most amazing project, like one of my favorite projects I think I've ever done. One of the most like creatively fulfilling projects too and just like connected me to so many people and has been such a joy. And recently, like I think about, you know, well, do I want to keep doing it? Do I want to wrap it up? And it just felt like in the beginning or like throughout all the season so far, the inspiration and like the value of the content has just been like so abundant. And now I kind of feel like Thinking of topics is more of like trying to pick something out of the air. And so I haven't like made any new episodes because I don't want to be just like trying to pull things out of my bum, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, bum, bum, bum 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 There's nothing in there. I don't and, think- <laughs> um but <laughs> I do think that uh, having a nice conclusion to things like really honors the process and I just feel very clearly that like i want to really officially end the podcast not to even say that i will never make more episodes or that i wouldn't like reopen it at some point or that i won't make another podcast because that's something that interests me too but um i just think for right now like to have a nice closing to in the spirit of horse because i really feel like the project is complete um i feel really great about and when i thought about doing this episode with you it was not one I was trying to take out of my butt. It felt like something that was <laughs> like something I really wanted to talk about and had the feeling of like the earlier episodes or like all the episodes so far where I feel really inspired by it and want to talk about it. And for some reason, it seems like a perfect ending topic. Mm-hmm. And I should probably introduce what it is.
1: What are we <laughs> going to talk about today,
0: Mosey? We are going to talk about gilding our stallions. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um so yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is kind of a type of topic because <clears throat> it's not it's definitely not something that was easy. Mm-mm. Um even to make that decision was definitely, you know, took some some time and um yeah, maybe we'll just go back to kind of uh, you know, driving up north um and meeting And, you know, quote unquote, picking the horses that uh, we then brought down here.
0: Yeah, we should just start from the beginning. Yeah. That's why it feels like a good wrap up. Like, I don't even know what exactly, you know, is going to come out of this podcast, Mm -hmm. but it just feels also emotionally like a good processing and wrapping up of a journey you and I have been on, too.
1: And that actually, you know, that really reminds me of kind of like, I've been thinking lately about a couple of things from the past like one the way that you were describing you know finding this property and how there was this part of the property that's like you know the quote-unquote like ranch part that you already thought was like really cool but then you went into the woods and you started seeing this vision of the sanctuary and then if I recall correctly like these Mustangs actually kind of like cross your path. Yeah. So how ha- you know, I was kind of like seeing that and then thinking about, you know, kind of like how it was when you moved up here and it was kind of around the fires, you know. Yeah. Um And so there was almost like a, you were in the moving process, but then it just all happened so quickly because we had to evacuate all the horses. Yeah. So then you just moved up here and then there was a period of kind of like sitting with the land and kind of like feeling into how it was all going to work and how it was going to work with the horses. And then, you know, remembering like, okay, like the fencing wasn't even like fully done, but we heard about these horses that, you know, had a very high likelihood of, you know, being bought maybe by people who would send them to slaughter. These are the wild horses. Yes, the wild horses. Um, So all of this, it's like, we kind of like, you know, you move up here, and I'm like still in transition, but figuring out how I'm going to move up here. And then, you know, okay, this is all happening. It's kind of like this whole weary, in my in my yeah. memory, it's all like this weary kind of like, there was so much fire and so, so much like intensity around that time. Yeah. Um, and then we went up north and did like a first trip that was just to kind of like s- assess the situation up there and see how would it actually work for us to adopt these horses and, you know, what do we need to do? Yeah. And that was an intense trip. Like, I I remember being so emotional around that time seeing these horses up there and just kind of, like, you know, getting, like, a feeling for what was about to happen. And
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at this time, like, you and I had been talking about wanting to open a wild horse sanctuary together and, like, we're waiting – first to get to the property and then to like find the right horses and it was really crazy that when we heard about these particular horses being rounded up you know we just like drove 14 hours or something up there for our initial trip and realized like yes they are being rounded up they're being sold for like 25 dollars and they're older so they're gonna have like less protection and less potential um adopters Uh, that might want them because, you know, they're pretty established and wild and the young ones tend to go first. And yeah, it was pretty nuts that it just felt like those were our horses. Like those were the ones we were supposed to go and rescue and bring back home. And yeah, that initial trip was really emotional because it was like amazing. I remember having like a lot of fun, like going up thinking Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, we might, these are possibly horses that we'll be able to save. I don't like the word save. Like, we're not like their saviors. Right. But, like, we're like, we might be able to bring these horses home. Yeah. And also the sadness of like, they're being rounded up right now and they're going through so much trauma and like just a whole mix of like joy and kind of heartbreak on both of the trips, but yeah. in the initial trip too.
1: <laughs> I also just remembered like how tired we were. And how we were just like delusional. yeah, <laughs> just like laying in bed in that like motel situation up there. Yeah. and and just being like so silly because we were sleep deprived and <laughs> yeah, and emotionally like so challenged, you know, in so many different ways. And it was like, it was a really fun trip also because it was, yeah, we were, I think having, you know, doing this together was just such a blessing because I think alone it could easily just become this really sad, overwhelming thing, but yeah, having somebody who kind of like shares the passion and love and compassion, it just made it for me such a, such a different, it it like really shifted the experience to being kind of like so joyful, even in the really sad parts you
0: know. Yeah, that is actually something I really remember us talking about and I think about a lot was we were talking about, like, the sadness of what we were doing, but that we both were also feeling joy and mm-hmm. how, like, that could almost seem, like, incongruent or something. Yeah. But then that we were going to embrace the joy anyway because that was also real to us and yeah. part of the process. And um, it was pretty nuts. Like, we went up and then – like, we moved to the property, which, again, happened because we had to evacuate from fires. And it was, like, amazing but very sudden. And then, like, within the next month, we found out that these horses were available for adoption and that we needed to kind of go up quick. And we just, like, packed up a big horse trailer and drove another 14 hours and just, like, picked out and or, you know, whatever the process was like eight horses and just brought them back here before everything was completely ready. But because the timing just, it was like how it needed to work out and it was amazing. And now I think about it. I'm like all the prep that sometimes could have gone into like, well, when are we going to adopt the horses? When are blah, blah, blah. And instead being told like, no, this is the moment we go right now and the excitement and like overwhelm of that,
1: um, I think it just worked out so amazingly. It worked out so magically. And I feel like that is, to me, one of the lessons, if not only like of horses, but specifically kind of of wild horses is like the trusting and that intuition, you know, because there is sometimes like there is planning and stuff involved, you know, like, I don't know, walking to the water source or something, you know, but like there's so many situations in life where you just act because it's like almost instinctual. Um, and maybe for us, it doesn't feel like such a physically instinctual thing, but I think there is also something like to intuition being like instinctual.
0: Yeah. And
1: just like, when you know, you know, right. Like, you know, you have to go and you still can make a decision not to follow that. But I think, For me, and I know you and I have talked a lot about this, like, intuition in general being such a uh, strong aspect of, like, how we want to live life. And I think the wild horses are just such a... Like, not only because that is kind of how I perceive them as living their lives, but also because whenever we were kind of following that intuition, it was like things were just magically aligning. That is... Something I
0: so feel with the wild horses and has been like one of their biggest gifts, I think. Like everything with them just feels like following your intuition. And in situations where I'm like, I have no idea what to do, following the intuition like has worked out amazingly. And like it's the only – I think with the wild horses it's been like the only tool versus sometimes with the domestic horses it's like, well, I can think through how to do this. Versus when it was like, I need to separate the mares from the wild stallions. It was like, I don't really know how to do this. Like, I can only go off intuition right now. Yeah. And. Worked out. It works. It works out. (laughs) And that also, to me, was very much like how we made the decision to get two stallions. (laughs) Because when we went up, we had also heard that the day we were getting there, the stallions were being gelded. Like in the herd at the Forest Service, it wasn't BLM; it was Forest Service, but like same kind of thing, like holding facility. Um, and Nina and I had talked a lot about like wanting to get stallions specifically rather than geldings, and hoping that one day maybe we could make a vasectomy work out. That was kind of like our plan was mm-hmm. if we could uh, have a vet do a vasectomy they could still be their stallion self, like be in the herd dynamic in that way, but not make more babies because we also don't want to just be making babies. Um, And so that had been kind of our, like a long-term dream of ours. But when we were up there, we found out like half an hour after the time when we were like there. So like it was going to be like in 20 minutes, these stallions were going to be gelded. And it was this like opportunity to actually take home stallions because a lot of time the BLM or the forest service won't let you take a stallion because they, they're all gelded already. So it, you don't have much opportunity to actually get a stallion. And so we were there and we were like, should we take this opportunity to get a stallion when normally that's not an option with the wild horses? And, you know, we thought maybe one, maybe we'll get one stallion, um, And then we saw this, like, group of boys, and I saw Griffin, and... Oh, no. (laughs) My bad. (laughs) You
1: want to answer that?
0: (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) I saw Griffin and, like, fell in love with him, and then you saw Aragon and fell in love with him, and we just, like, kind of right then and there were like, what do we do? Like, um,
1: and we ended up taking home both of them <laughs> it's you know you know what that reminds me of actually as you were just saying that you know in um avatar the last airbender how <laughs> <laughs> they there's um uh, there's this one scene where um one of his old friends and and teachers tells him about you know there is like All these different types of energy. There's like positive, negative, but there's also neutral. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like that moment of like when you can't make a decision between two, maybe don't make the decision between two and just take them both. (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) And it was still a decision, obviously, but it really felt kind of like... I remember feeling that you know and maybe not voicing it you know and then you I think you looked at me and said should we take two and I was just like yeah because I can't pick (laughs) um and it just I mean it couldn't have been more symbolic or something to have these two boys here with us and all of what they have taught us, you know? Yeah. And just how your relationship with Griffin has, like, grown and gone through so many, like, different phases even, and, like, to what it is now, you know? And my relationship with Aragon has gone through, like, so many different phases and what it is now. Um... Which is incredible, you know? Like, I think it, it would have all probably been very different had, um, you know, had there only been one
0: yeah. stallion. Yeah. It, this is, to me, like, one of those moments where um, it shows me that, like, intuition... It's not like there's one truth to intuition, mm-hmm. Um but rather like intuition changes and like, that's how it works. And, and what I mean by that is like, so we got these two stallions and our goal was to give them vasectomies and then let them out in the herd together. And that didn't end up working out. And we had to change our plans, um, which we'll get into. And ultimately, like now they're both gelded at like a year and a half later. But I really don't see our initial decision to get the stallions and not as geldings, but actually get them as stallions as any kind of mistake. I still really stand by that intuition that we had at the time, because like you were saying, the lessons along the way were invaluable and they I wouldn't trade them. And I don't think it was in any way like a mistake that we got these stallions and then ended up having to geld them when maybe they could have just been gelded you know right then or you know what was more likely is if they had been gelded we wouldn't have taken them because we were just going to take mares to begin with um and so yeah I think that like even though the plan quote-unquote changes or um if something switches from your initial intuition of like I want two stallions you know that that isn't a mistake but rather things like it gets you to the next step, which gets you to the next step. And I think that that's how intuition works more is like step to step to step, not just like, here's your big life
1: picture, you know? Uh, I love that so much. I'm like nodding my entire body basically (laughs) because I so, so, so agree with that. And I think um, it is like, you know, I had this really sweet conversation with our friend, Amy Jo, um, who's amazing and has helped us so much with the stallions. Um, and we were talking about how, you know, sometimes like the intuition, like it gives you just like almost a realm of possibility and kind of like a next step. Yeah. and then, and then, like, yeah, it starts to morph. And she was saying, she has this feeling that if we knew exactly how things were gonna pan out, We might try to control how we get there. Yeah. And because intuition, I think, often actually requires us to let go a little bit of control and just be like, all right, this, you know, intellectually, you know, maybe it's not what I would normally do, but it just feels right on a different level. It kind of requires for that control to, like, be gone. Yeah. And so... The way that intuition works for me is usually I will, I will see something, you know, I will like, it is kind of like a visual s- thing for me where I will see like these possibilities and, and that'll kind of like guide me into what the next step is. And then I now have learned over time that after that first step, the vision might change and it probably will actually start to change as i go along with the past does that make sense yeah
0: i love that i i hadn't thought about like how intuition like like the thought of it being visual mm-hmm. i think is really cool and i love to like know that about you that you like see it because I, it's making me think about like how i feel it mhm and i actually think i don't like visualize i don't think mm-hmm. i like see it it's really just more of like a feeling of of like that feels right or that doesn't feel right with less of, like, this visual. But I love the – I love hearing the difference for you. Like, the idea of getting in a mental image and, like, that also being allowed to shift, but, like, getting you to, like, the next gift almost. Yes. Because I really do think, like, if I had known we were just the bare facts of, like, we're going to end up gelding the stallions, I probably would have been like, let's get them gelded here. Totally. And – On one hand, you could think like, oh, that would have saved like some trouble of like having to make the decision later and like having to work with them to get it done. But I think really what it would have done is just cut us off from like a bunch of gifts that we got along the way and not like it saved us trouble, but more just we would have missed out on a lot had we just known and done the done the thing first. I so, so,
1: so agree. Like it. It feels to me exactly like that. Like, we would have just missed out on this incredible opportunity to uh, truly get to know them, Yeah. you know, as kind of like individuals. And even though, you know, the circumstances are kind of like not what our ideal circumstances are, because probably you and I would just want them to be completely wild out there, no person bothering them. And maybe you and I go camping and we just happen to befriend each other. (laughs) So there is that, but under the circumstances of the world that we live in, you know, I, I really think and and maybe, you know, I, I, I don't know if this is just like rationalizing things sometimes um, for me to like make it okay to live in the world we live in, um, but it doesn't feel like that. It feels like an actual truth that we... That we, we all have come together as we have come together for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I I agree. I don't think it's rationalizing it. Even just the way that the wild horses, like, we've said this in a previous episode, but literally lined up, like, okay, we've said this in another episode, but I feel like I have to say it again because it blows my mind. Goosebumps. Every time. Um. When we picked our, like, eight horses out of the group of, like, a couple hundred, um, our horses were – so they round them up into, like, a big group and then put them through a chute at random order. It's just, like, however they get in. And our horses were the first there, like, in line, and they were all together. And right after our last horse got loaded up, the uh, chute contraption, like, stopped working and broke. So basically, if we hadn't gotten our last horse that we had picked out already, like they would have had to fix it and like they weren't sure how they were going to do it or like we might not have been able to take another horse and like all of our horses were like ready to go and like were in line basically to get on the trailer in the first group. It was like ridiculous and I do feel like all the ones we picked were very much like they were meant to come with us and I really feel that for Aragon and Griffin too, um, even though they were in, like, a separate pen, like, I don't know, I just really feel that way. But another thing you were saying, you know, like, I-, I think something I wanted to talk about today was the reality that we had an ideal of what we really, really wanted for these horses, and we actually had to, like, become flexible on our ideal situation in order to listen to intuition and ultimately like change our mind and gild them which was a hard decision to make because you and I both had felt super strongly that we did not want to geld these horses that we wanted to try everything we could to one let them out with the mares it was never our plan to like keep them separate um we always wanted them to live a full herd life but two to like keep them stallions and we worked a really long time on trying to make that work i know freya. Yes, <laughs> dog, you, freya my puppy um we worked a really long time and we you know talked to different vets and figured out like what it would entail to get them a vasectomy and basically it was going to include or it was going to take them both being able to go to a hospital be handleable in the trailer and in the hospital and, like, by other people and, like, be monitored and get this vasectomy in a surgery room, in a OR or whatever. A horse OR. horse OR. And, yeah, like, be there for a little bit in their recovery. And at first, you know, I think I thought, well, maybe, maybe that is something we can do. But also, these horses were so wild and so – that was another thing we wanted for them. We wanted them to keep their wild. We didn't – we weren't planning on making them into domestic horses. We weren't planning on training them. Um, And so there's, like, this conflict of that would take a lot of training, especially for these horses, to, like, get them to that point. Um, And if it had been someone like Athena, who was another wild horse we had that was, you know, very – open to people in the beginning I feel like for her we could have done it if she had been a stallion like we probably could have gotten her on a trailer and taken to her hospital with like some training Um, but these boys it just like over time just felt more and more like I don't know if that's going to work I don't know how that's going to how that's going to plan out unless we spend like a lot a lot of time working on this and I think like about a year in um, we'd been trying out different things. The stallions were together and the mares were separate, and the mares had the whole sanctuary, and the stallions had like kind of a smaller pasture, and they were not great friends. Like they tolerated each other, but were like bad roommates in college. Like <laughs> and Griffin would like break out every so often, you know, just like jump over a six-foot fence or a five-foot fence and just like bust out to be with the girls. Um That's the one time Aragon would be chilling at (laughs) home. (laughs) Griffin would bust out and be like, I'm going with the ladies. And Aragon would be in his pen like a sweet angel and just be like, thank God he's gone. He's like, like, oh, "Oh,
1: finally I can eat in peace. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I think for me it just got to a point – and Nina and I kind of both decided like – as we talked about like I was really connected and am really connected to Griffin and you are feeling really connected and are really connected to Aragon – And I kind of had to make the decision for Griffin um, to be like, we can try to get this vasectomy, but if I'm realistic about it, I think it's going to be like another year possibly of trying to get him ready for this. And I don't even know then, like, it just feels like this insane amount of time that when I think of it, I just feel like really weighed down and I feel like this burden and it like sluggish and it doesn't feel good in my body. And then at that point I thought about gelding him. And while I had like all the emotions of like, oh, like I'm really sad about that. I don't want to do that. That wasn't our plan or the ideal or what I wanted for him. Um, it like felt like a huge weight lifted. And it also felt like really right in that kind of way, that intuition can feel good. And I don't know, I think for me that's like what intuition can kind of feel like it's just like the instant relief if I feel that in my body like oh that feels good like when I think of that pathway and when I think of that decision like everything feels a little bit brighter and everything feels lighter and then I sat with that personally for like a while being like I think that's the decision but this is still really hard to make and that brought up a lot of that like who am I to make this decision for him And I think for me, that was one of the hardest things was to be like, this is his body. And this is such an invasive procedure. And this is like, I don't want to make this decision for him. And he can't tell me like, you know, what his decision is. But the thought of like, I know he wants to be out with the mares, I know he really, really wants that. I know he'll have a happier life if he can do that sooner rather than later. But still, like, it includes this sacrifice that I don't really want to make for him. It was a really hard decision. And ultimately, like, I think the intuition really felt like that was the way to go. And then we'll probably get into, like, how it went for both of them at some point a little bit later, but I want to hear your thoughts on all this first. But it went super well, and it all lined up perfectly in the way that, like, intuition kind of does, I think, when you follow that. And it ended up feeling really like the right decision, even though it, like, wasn't what I initially wanted. And I think he's really happy. And, yeah, that's kind of... Yeah. I'd love to hear how that was for you.
1: <sighs> yeah, probably, I mean, very similar. Um. You know, I mentioned to you yesterday, like, I think that the biggest struggle that I find myself in is kind of like it really it really taps into like this core disagreement that I have with the world we live in when it comes to these things you know um I am so grateful for every relationship that I've ever had with a horse And at the same time, I wish them all to be free and yeah, it's like, you know, it's like, do I, how do I find the balance between, you know, continuing to kind of like speak up for what We believe to be right or you know what we ideally want for ourselves for the horses for other animals for other people um and at the same time like how do I make decisions you know for the ones that I am now in this position of being like a guardian to um and how do I how do I how am I the best that I can at that. Yeah, it's a hard decision. And I know 100% that it was the right decision, you know, for both of them. I have, there's no doubt in my mind about that at all. And it's more of like this, this underlying discomfort about like, why do we fucking live in this world? (laughs) Yeah. You know, why do we have to make these decisions and it feel like I feel very rebellious about that, you know. I feel very yeah. rebellious about that. I definitely, um, yeah. There, there is so many things in this world that so many systems that I disagree with, you know. And I think it's interesting, of course, as it always happens that like all of this is happening at the same time as like. All of these other you know truths being uncovered in the world mm-hmm. um, and like a kind of like a more collective realization of like how we're all participants in all of these systems, yeah, um and I you know you know you and I talk a lot about like the systems of oppression of horses um, so it feels almost like. And I find this to be true with Aragon and everything is like, everything I go through with him is so much a reflection of my internal ongoings as well as like the external ongoings in the world. It feels very much like a metaphor for everything. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it feels very, very heavy due to all of that because it feels like it carries way more importance maybe than just him and me being two individuals or you know you and griffin being two individuals us doing like this life that we're doing um it feels bigger than that in so many ways and i think that was a lot of like what i was really just like feeling you know yeah um I, I I tried my best to, like, talk to him as much as I could, you know. And yeah. thankfully, Aragon is, of any animal I have ever met, he just, like, I don't know. This might sound, like, super woo-woo, but whatever. It It just, like, I feel like he knows how to tell me things. And I literally, like hear these things or see these things and it feels like he's just like giving me the messages um so I've been trying to just like sit back and listen as much as I can and just like be quiet for myself so that I'm not putting in too much of my own stuff and trying to really just be like a receptor of his emotions his thoughts you know his process um and it felt like, you know, every day we were just kind of figuring it out. Every day, how's this going to work? How's this going to work? I mean, Aragon would not let anybody near him, not even half near him. Yeah. For an entire year, basically.
0: Yeah. That was the other interesting thing is like the difference between the two. Yeah. And Aragon was only gelded like two days ago. Yeah. And. All because of, like, the work that you did with him. I don't even know if I want to call it work, but, like, the
1: trust you've built. Yeah. That feels more right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is so interesting, right? Because Griffin was very much, like... Even when we had the summit, you know, like, he let everybody, like, pet him. It
0: was just crazy, (laughs) but yeah.
1: Yeah yeah, he really was, you know, he's, not to put them in any, like, categories, but he just, like, he has this, like, kind of extroverted energy.
0: Yeah, it's been so interesting, like, for me, thinking about, like, why I feel connected to him, and, like, I love thinking about the difference of, like, why you feel connected to Aragon, and, like, what they kind of represent, because I also, I feel that with you, that, like, or the same thing you were saying of, like, that it feels, like, bigger than just, like, me and this horse. Like, it has more meaning, and actually, this is kind of a segue, but I remember, like, trying to make this decision and feeling really torn up about it, and our friend Molly, like, really helped me because we went down to see the wild horses, and I was, like, kind of in a really hard place about it, about what to do about the stallions, and she said... Something along the lines of the fact that you're considering this decision with, like, so much mindfulness or, like, that you're really thinking about it. Like, I'm butchering her words, but kind of, like, is the good deed, like, shows that you are doing the compassionate thing and that, like... I think I was really worried, like, if I made this decision, like, was I being a really bad person Mm -hmm. to, like, decide this for them? And I think she, like, opened me more up to the compassion that, like, for myself, that just the fact that you and I are considering this with, like, such an honor for them is, like, the honor that we need to give the horse. And, like, maybe we could be more flexible about how exactly that looks because maybe they're more flexible. And I think that's how I kind of ended up feeling with Griffin – Like, Griffin is the most, like, he is super extroverted. He was the one that, like, when he got here, I was most nervous about people going up to him. Or, like, when I went up to him, I had to have the most, like, care because he wouldn't just, like, kind of run away. He would challenge you. And he's kind of like a lion to me. Like, he's this big, fiery sun (laughs) king. He very much has king energy. And... You know, you'd like see him in the forest when he was kind of out in the sanctuary um when the mares were in for a little bit in the beginning, and you would just like stumble upon him and he'd like emerge from the forest and snort at you. and like just the most amazing, like, uh... that is what a lion would. yeah do. <laughs> like, just so spectacular. And you also like he taught me a lot about like the boundaries of I could not back down for him, but from him, but I also could not challenge him because I knew he would fight me back. So it was like, This dance when I first met him, which is one of the lessons he taught me of like, I need to be super solid in my own boundaries, but not attack him or not like put them onto him or try to more like cross his boundaries. Yes. Because if I cross his boundaries, like we're going to get into a fight and he's going to win. Yep. And, (laughs) And that was such like an amazing lesson that I think he's shown me a lot about like your own boundaries and your own power you know, and your own leadership. And I think for me, like when I made this decision with him, hopefully, um, I was also trying to tell him a lot about what we were, what the plan was and, you know, if he would be okay with this and like really communicate to him. And I feel like all these little signs, like, like, I don't know, maybe it sounds woo, 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 but I really do feel like it all in the way that intuition works. And I really trust in intuition, like all lined up. And um, we realized for him, like, if he was going to be gelded, he was going to need to have a halter on and he was going to have to be like, okay, both of them are going to have to be okay with um, getting the sedation and from someone. And uh, Amy, Joe, and I worked with Griffin. Amy Jo has also been like a total guardian of these horses. She's amazing. She's our friend, and she has like helped with the, us with the stallions.
1: She's the godparent so for yeah. sure.
0: <laughs> I think we both needed like a lot of emotional support too, and she like held that space for all of us involved. Um, yeah, so Griffin had to like you know be handleable and handable handle a <laughs> quotation handleable yeah. uh yes for for his procedure and I feel like with Griffin he just started like letting that happen like just being super like amazing not in any kind of broken way but like giving us the gift of like he let us put the halter on him and he let us touch him in these new ways and he just like he's the type of horse that he just like gave this trust once he decided that he trusted us he was like in a very kingly fashion like like very confident in his decision and you still can't like cross his boundaries he has good boundaries but like i think he has so much trust in himself that like once he decided to trust us he like trusted that decision and that's kind of how i felt about the gelding was that he kind of had made that decision too. And when it actually came down to the day it was happening, um, he was just like a champion and just like stood through the whole thing like a king and like never had any issue and like blew my mind. And I think with just how well the whole thing went, um, it was like even more... Validation that like that had been the right decision, and that he was like really on board. Because like in this unknown situation where he could have totally not been on board, he actually was literally like on board and like, um, and like said yes to everything. Like with the vet coming in and with the shot and with the halter and getting up, and it was all great. And
1: yeah, now he's out with the mares, and yeah. Which is such a good point, because I feel like Griffin, it really seemed to all of us that he somehow understood that this was the necessary step to get to the mares. Yeah. And that is all he wanted. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that also to me is like this interesting difference between Aragon and Griffin, because I feel like Griffin like knew what he wanted in this way, and I think he was like, he wanted to be with the mayors and he like wanted his freedom. And I think he was like, this is the way I do it. So let's proceed. And, yeah. he, and I think Aragon, I, I'm curious what you think about this, but like almost needed more reason to be like, so why are we doing this? Like, why do you want to come and interact with me? And like, you have to prove something to me.
1: Yeah. I completely agree. Like, you know, Amy Jo with Griffin, she was, like, sending him mental images, you know, of, like, here's you with the girls, you know? <laughs> and yeah. <it's> like <laughs> blah. And she was, like, trying to do that with Aragon, too, and she said it was interesting, like, he just wasn't connecting to that. Again, like, you know, here we are, <laughs> fucking horse hippies, I don't know, but that's just how we talk to our horses. <laughs> Take it or leave it. It's been working out. <laughs> yeah, it's been working out great. Um, and You know, with him, it was such an interesting, I, in a million years, would have never, ever, ever, ever thought things would work out as they did. Um, But it so happened to be that the first, well, I always felt super connected to him. And the first time, um, I think maybe you were gone for a weekend or something, and I went down to feed the stallions. And I, you know, was kind of like watching... Griffin was definitely like... If there was one pile, like, Griffin would eat until he was done. And then Aragon was allowed to eat. And so I was like, I'm going to make Aragon, like, a separate pile, you know? So I gave Griffin some food, like, a little further away from the gate. And I just put, like, hay down right in front of me. And I sat in front of the gate. And Aragon ate like out of my hand and it was the weirdest thing because up until that moment he had never gotten close at all to anybody and so I was just like in shock and that moment I had this intuition that like he was my horse and I immediately just, like, put that aside, because I was like, this is a wild horse, you know, we want, we had all these ideas of what we wanted for them, and at that point, we were still pretty convinced that they would all go out with the, that both of the stallions would go out with the mares, and they would just, like, live their wild, free lives. and In the sanctuary. In the sanctuary, and so I was like, yeah, that's not true, you know, but it was definitely, like... A moment of intuition that I kind of like ignored because it made me uncomfortable. And so then, you know, like months passed, months passed, and I was always like very, very um, hesitant to go in with them because Griffin definitely like his energy was just like so uncomfortable for me because I just felt like I didn't want to react in the wrong way with him accidentally you know just because I like whatever like didn't know better and put either one of us in like a shitty situation so I kind of like let that happen and then when you and Amy Jo started to work with Griffin there was these times when Griffin would be like in the pen and so I could actually go (laughs) and be with Aragon like outside of the pen and just start to kind of like get a feel for him And there was kind of like an immediate connection that had already been there, I guess. And so moving through all of that, you know, it was clear like, okay, Amy Jo, can you help me with this? And then Amy Jo basically was like, this horse is connected to you. You need to be doing this work. Which is, again, like, I probably wouldn't have done that by myself, like, claimed that space, you know? Um, And so for her to kind of just, like, be there and be like, I'm going to guide you through this, but, like, you're going to do it, you know, in her own gentle way of saying that, kind of, like, put me in the place where I needed to be. And so then I just started feeding him twice a day, (laughs) every day. And it took commitment. It took, like, showing up consistently And he taught me so much about that, and he taught me so much about boundaries as well, except, like, his language is very different, because it's just like, if you cross my boundaries, I'm going to walk away, which is exactly what I needed to be safe. Yeah. And, like, he had an understanding of my boundaries better than I had an understanding of my boundaries, and therefore he taught me about my own boundaries. Yeah. Which was magical, and, uh, you know, months later... um, I was able to put a halter on him. He started realizing that I can just be like a human scratching post, and that's pretty cool. And when the time came to geld him, um, Amy Joe, and I decided, okay, and thank you so much to the vets for being so amazing Amazing and understanding (laughs) of our ways and how we wanted to do things. But yeah, basically, like... We were like, okay, you wade far away. We're going to go down. Amy Joe is going to administer the first sedation to just calm him down. So we go down and Amy Joe tries and Aragon figures out what's happening and was very clear that he was not cool with her doing that. And so we were about to give up. I was like, this is this is not working like You know, how are we going to do it? Like, and then I remembered a thought that I had about two months ago where I kind of like heard him say, you're going to have to do it. And I was like, no, again, like, no, no, that's not what's going to happen. I cannot do that. Like, I might fuck it up. I don't, I'm uncomfortable with needles, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And so I heard that thought again, you have to do it. And so I was like, okay. Uh, can I have the needle? And I was like, you're going in? I was like, yep. Yeah. So I went inside and I started just like feeding him and how we've been doing and started scratching his neck, you know. And uh, And then I just like put the needle in and he looked at me and I was just like, it's okay. And he just let me do it. It's insane. It's insane. Like, if you know
0: this horse, too, and the amount of trust and time it's taken, just for you, his, like, you really are his, like, one person. And, like, for you to be able to touch him or feed him out of your hand has been, like, you have just had to prove yourself over and over and, like, build this, like, more than I've seen with any other horse yeah. ever. Like, and for him to, like, I don't know, to see that trust that, like, it it completely, don't, don't know the word but like it transferred almost even to just like you'd never done anything with needles that seems like something so far from him when he's like just learning that scratches are okay to have something like that and for him to then be like I trust you like just you I trust you like it's huge I can't yeah I can barely even like describe how big that is for me that he like let you do that.
1: I can't believe it and I was my entire body like down to my toes was shaking with adrenaline and I just stood there with him for a second and then I got out of the pen and I just like my entire body just had basically like a like just a shake and a cry because all that tension had to be like released somehow. And I was so nervous. I was nervous like months leading up to this. I was like, I don't know how this is gonna work. I love this horse more than I have ever loved anybody. Like how, you know, how is it all gonna happen? Like there's so many emotions. And so for him to just let me do that and then it wasn't enough. And so I had to go back in and give him another shot. And he, again, just let me do it and was like kind about it, you know? So that was insane. And then, again, like, the vets came down, and they did such an amazing job, and, you know, he he just, like, it was, like, okay, you know, somehow, within all of the disturbance of what all of this means, and the bigger picture, and the world we live in, like, it somehow was okay.
0: Yeah. I really felt that, too, from him, like even like when he wasn't okay with other people like being in the pen and doing that to me that so didn't feel and doesn't feel now looking at him like he wasn't okay with what was like the decision that had been made but very clear on like who he wanted yeah. to like be part of that process and it wanting it to be you that like you and him were in it together and that's how he would feel comfortable and
1: yeah and it's funny because it's like he you know I in my head it was like I can't do this, you know. And he's like he's like you can fucking do this. Like I'm yeah. going through the major thing, you know, like step up. And yeah. it it really felt like that. Like I just had to step up, you know. Yeah. And he – it's very interesting because, yeah, it didn't feel to me like I'm not okay with what's happening. It was just – he's like, it's going to happen, and I'm going to tell you how it's going to happen.
0: Yeah. You know? Which has been, I feel like, a lesson you've talked about with him so much was that, like, everything you do – and I've been, like, really impressed, too, with how you would talk to other people that in the sense of, like, you've known what's right for him and that it's, like – whether it's me saying, like – do you think we should try to geld him in this other way, you know? Or like, do you think we should um, try to speed things up in this way? Not like, cause I was feeling like we need to pressure it, but like giving options and you feeling like, no, like this is the way like he, how it's going to be done. And I feel like that kind of like claim of space from him and from you too, to be like, this is like, we're going to, we're going to do this, but like in our own way, and we're gonna really like feel like we're deserving of doing it the way we want it done. I think it's awesome. that's gonna make me cry.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for reflecting that, because you know it's hard to speak up. Yeah, especially when it doesn't seem. Thank you, Freya. <laughs> No, hold on. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was perfect. Little uh, Freya interlude for my <laughs> little emotional outbreak. It's so sweet. Sweet when dogs come and like try to be sweet with you when you're crying. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was just saying, like, thank you for reflecting that because I, I do find it hard to speak up even when I know something feels like 100% right, and I feel like, you know, he, and we've talked about this, you know, we've talked about this, even on the podcast, like, when do we speak up, and when do we just kind of like, move through something that's like, really shitty and uncomfortable, you know, to kind of like, get to the other side or something, and With Aragon, like, I, he was so clear with me that everything was about slowing down. Everything was about, like, you, everything was about discernment and consistency. Yeah. And he's like, trust takes time. And that's a lesson I needed to learn, you know, um... The sermon was a lesson I needed to learn. Taking things slower and getting to know one another was a lesson I needed to learn. Yeah. And so he was just so freaking clear about that. And he was clear enough that I was able to speak up for that, you know? Yeah. Um, because it just felt really important. And... Then also came the time when it was like, all right, we're ready now. Now we need to yeah. do this. And that was hard too. Yeah. Um but it felt Freya. Freya. I
0: don't need your butt licking.
1: <laughs> dogs will be dogs. <laughs> um so yes, I I love that and I feel like we got to such a, we got to a place where, like, I know now what our relationship is and and how strong it is, and I think he knows that, too. Yeah. You know? 100%, I think that. Yeah. And it it will be that forever. Like, our relationship will be, have that foundation, you know? Yeah. 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 That was one thing I wanted to ask
0: you about was, like, the different lessons of, like, what we felt this meant with the horses. And I feel like you just said all of that so beautifully. And that really inspires me, too, the thought that even when it was like, okay, now we're ready, now's the time to do it, the fact that he was still, like, and even when I'm making this decision that, like, involves other people, I'm still, like, worthy to do it in the way I want to. Yeah. Which I love that. I love that idea that you can, you know, still very much honor yourself, even if there's something, like, you feel like you have to do. Or, and, you know, maybe it's still something he's choosing he wants to do. Like, you as well, like, you don't have to do the gelding. But, like, there are these other benefits that are kind of come from it. And even though it's hard, like, I think it's still a want to in its own way, you know, which I know for me that was, like, a hard thing to grapple with with Griffin because it was like, I want to not to do it and I want to do yeah. it. Um, but even in that hard moment, yeah, to just be like, but it has to be done the way that I'm comfortable with. And to really, I think that's such an honoring of self to be like, I am deserving and worthy of this being done in the way that feels right to me. And if yeah. it's not the way that feels right to me, like not just giving in, with that or not just feeling like just really sticking to yourself and honoring yourself in that way. I just think that's really beautiful. And I love that as a lesson from him.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, you know, the other thing that, that was really interesting was that, um, well, you know this obviously, but, (laughs) um, that, so very soon after, uh, we got the wild horses, I got really sick, and had to be in the hospital, and then had to go to Germany for, I think I was there for like four months, something like that, um, because of the medical system, because I needed surgeries and stuff, and so, um, it was really interesting what came up for me, yeah, with his gelding, because it's so crazy, you know, it's like, okay, I I basically was faced with the decision to <clears throat> either have this like really dangerous procedure um, that would potentially allow me to still have children biologically, or uh, to have this or to have a hysterectomy that would be a much Still, like, a pretty intense procedure, but, like, a, a more safe procedure with, like, the circumstances that I was working with in my own body. And to, you know, not have children in, like, in that way. And um, and it's just, like, I, I was thinking about that so much because, one, it was, like, oh, the fear of surgeries, you know, with him. Like, I had all these, like, panic thoughts about that. Yeah. Um then like the reminder of my own surgeries and like the trauma of going through all of that. And then also this really the the quality of my life after the hysterectomy yeah. has just increased by a thousandfold, you know? And I was just talking to a friend of mine who is kind of phased with the same decision right now, and I was like I can't even tell you how much lighter my life is now that I don't have to deal with the problems that I physically had before and, and how much that meant for like my mental health and like my emotional health. And, and so I was trying to kind of like remember that feeling as we were going into his surgery and thinking like, Again, I don't want to project my own experiences onto him and justify a decision that I'm making for him with like my own experiences. But it sure felt interesting that I had just gone through like the the female equivalent basically um, ab- about a year prior, you know. Yeah. Kind of right when we met them.
0: It make me cry. I like <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, so emotional about uh, this. I had thought about that too. And I don't know if we've talked about it in relation to him, mm-hmm. but just that <laughs> <laughs> uh, just that you ha- have kind of known what like it's like to go through. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Nothing like a good podcast cry in the morning. Really?
0: Uh, but you do kind of know yes. what it, like... I'm like, suck it up, Mosey. <laughs> no feelings, Mosey. No, <laughs> <laughs> no feelings are great. Crying is great. I just yes. don't know if it makes good audio. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> um, Just that you do know, like, in a way, like, what they are going through in a, in a, in its own way and, like, you know, and I don't know, I just don't think that that was like a random coincidence either and I do think like there's something so special about the bond between you and Aragon that I just I feel like nothing's really coincidence with you too you know I think there's some connections that come into our lives where like it they're meant to like maybe come and teach and go and like flow and then there's ones that are like really there to stay and like support and like are like deeply part of you and part of your heart. And I just feel like that's you and Aragon so
1: much. Yeah. Uh. (laughs) 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 So (laughs) much. This horse. Jesus. This horse. I have cried like so much (laughs) with him, you know? It also like
0: I feel emotional because it makes me so happy to hear that like you feel better And so much lighter after your surgery because I don't know if we've talked about that too much recently. Yeah. And that makes me so happy for you and also, like, gives me a lot of relief for them because I kind of think that was, like – it kind of sucked, the scenario that, like, we don't want to be in a position where – the decision we have to make here is between, like, them having a better quality of life right now and, like, having this surgery that they need to get there. You know, I'd rather it be, like, they can just have the better quality of life because they're naturally stallions and they can be in the wild and they're just going to procreate and, like, manage themselves, you know, but it not being, like, the circumstance here. And I do feel really strongly for both of them, like, that their life – for Griffin, like, I really felt like he was gonna have a much more improved life, like, when he was out, and when he was with the girls, and, like, Aragon isn't out yet, because he's still recovering from surgery, but I feel super similarly for him, um, that his life is about to open up and expand so much, and that he, and we've talked about this, too, that, you know, he had this time with Griffin, and then he's had time with you getting ready to, uh, do the gelding and those have been actually like beautiful times too like your time with him I think getting ready for this you guys have built something so magical and strong um and I think you knowing when it was like okay now we're ready and now it's ready for the next phase in his life where he's gonna be out with a herd and um like his life is just gonna be really different and I think that I think it really is going to be a great step for him and like a great situation for him. That for both of them, you know, I wish they were stallions, but I also think that they can be happy. And yeah. I think that they, that's why with Griffin, like I felt like he had kind of made that decision. And again, like I'll never really know, but. Now, the lessons with Griffin were also really interesting. They were very different than the ones with Aragon. Mm-hmm. But... Um, Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. So with Griffin, I think that... Um, I've talked to Griffin, like, or about Griffin, like, he's this king, you know? And he very much has this, like, the energy of, like, the sun and, like, very leadership energy and that is like how he is it's how he is in a herd it's like how he makes decisions for himself by like jumping off the out of the fences you know like I think he's very much like a direct like he makes decisions and like sticks with them and he like he owns his power so much and his decision making and you know I think Uh, It's kind of like this misconception, I think, with wild horses that, like, the stallion makes all the decision or, like, the stallions, like, lead the horses everywhere and, like, um, I don't think that's true. You know, I think a stallion can be a protector but also can be a nurturer companion and, like, there's these different roles. Even with Aragon and Griffin, we've seen, like, Aragon, when he was with the girls when they first got here, was very much, like, nurturer, companion, like... Um super sweet, like followed the girls and um also like protected them, but like had a totally different energy than Griffin himself. Like when he's with the girls, he was like, you know, he's very much like a leader and like uh like I don't want to say like large and in charge, but like but like he that's has a- I mean that's <laughs> he's like a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, he like has that like like he takes on the responsibility of, um, of leader, which comes in with like, uh, you know, some great perks and also a lot of responsibility of decision making and mm-hmm. blah blah blah. And anyway, so I think it's more individual horse to horse, um, and I think the mayor stallion doesn't matter. It's like what kind of archetype they have in them if they're like very leadership organ like leadership oriented or protection-oriented or companion, blah, 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 all that stuff.
1: Yeah,
0: And Griffin is like the king. And I think for me, like when I had to make this decision for him and like decide, you know, are we going to geld? I think in the past year I've definitely been put into a position where like I have to sometimes own my power and my leadership more than I'm comfortable with where sometimes I want to, like, pass decisions off to other people because I'm like, oh, this has consequences. Like, I don't want to, like, what if this affects other people? And, like, I don't want to disappoint people. And, like, all these thoughts that can come in when, like, I've really had this clear feeling, especially being at this ranch, that, like, I have to take on the leadership role, whether it's uncomfortable or, like, disappoints people or is really good for everyone, you know? But, like, that responsibility is something that, I've needed to embrace more and can be difficult for me too. Like, I feel like it's very natural in me. Like I can, I feel the inclination to be like, yeah, I can take this space. And yes, I like feel like a good leader. And then also like, I don't know, even the thought of being like a good girl or something. I was going having... to
1: say, then also you grew up as a woman in the society. Yeah, like,
0: like, <laughs> and like, am I allowed to take that space? Um, who yeah. am I to like make this decision? And I think with Griffin, even with the gelding, that thought comes in of like, who am I? to make this decision and I feel like Griffin is almost like you're a king (laughs) or you're a queen like he's like I make this decision because I am like worthy of making the decisions of when I want to like jump the fence or like when I want to do this stuff and and again like it's not that I feel like I wanted to just like make that decision for him but I think that I was in a position of like I have to think about the mayors and I have to think about like how we run the ranch. And I have to think about Griffin and him and I like his quality of life and like keeping the stallion separate from the mares was a lot of work, a lot, a lot of work and added like extra time and money to everything. And, you know, then Griffin himself, I'm like, he would rather be out. Like I would rather have the, both of these guys have a more full life And then also thinking about the mares, like, I think women, just like mares, are often given the responsibility of birth control. And in this really unfair, misogynistic way, you know, like, oh, yeah, you can take on the side effects. You can take on the, like, repercussions of this. Like, and birth control for mares is really invasive, too, and, like, really messes up with their hormones. And so, like, one thing I had thought of was, like, well, what if we gave birth control every year to all the mares and that just felt like so much like not only is it going to be more expensive it's going to be yearly it's not guaranteed it will work I don't want to put like seven mares through that every single year you know versus like if we try to figure out something with the boys and I feel like just all this stuff it was like I had to make a decision at some point and it got to that point ultimately where it's like you can't pass this decision off to anyone else. Like, Lucas can't make that decision. Like, Nina can't make that decision for Griffin. Like, you have to make the decision. Um. And, like, ultimately that's what I did. was, like, this is the responsibility of, like, being in a leadership position where, like, it's not always – going to be super exciting that you're the one making the decision sometimes it's hard and like amazing perks sometimes like can be wonderful but also like difficult and yeah I just feel like that is like the energy of Griffin and also to feel like he was on board with that like I almost feel like we are mirroring each other and he kind of felt like to me like he had made that decision he was so good about all the gelding and everything like I didn't feel like I was, like, trying to push him into something he didn't want to do. But also, I feel like he was giving me strength of, like, you are a lion. Like, you can make this decision. um, You can be like me and, like, not feel guilty or bad for, like, owning your power in that way. um, mm. And that was, like, kind of what I felt like the, the lesson was of Griffin and... Um. Yeah, I'm trying. Oh, there was one other thing that, like, I just about the birth control. Yeah, that I really liked that made me feel better about it all. And again, like, it's like you're never quite sure like what's projecting or not. But this came to me and like brought me instant relief. And um, I'm kind of just trusting it. Mm-hmm. But there was something about Griffin. Um, in relation to like the mares, where it was like either all these mares can go through this invasive procedure like every single year where they have to be darted and like get this birth control and like take on this huge burden or he's like, or I Griffin, the one male can like take this burden for them and like, yeah. Like take on that, like that sacrifice a little bit for the benefit of him. And for the benefit of like all his mares, all his like family And I felt like he did that so graciously. Like, I almost felt from him, like, he was okay and happy to, like, do that. Because he is, like, this king. And he, like, did it for his family. And, yeah. Nah, it's going to make me cry. That makes me really (laughs) emotional, too. It's like... And, like, to (sighs) me, like, the divine male. Because I also feel like Griffin is, like this divine mature masculine. He's not, like, a young boy Mm -hmm. and, like, that kind of immature dominating, like, just to dominate kind of masculine to me. He's, like, very mature masculine. And I feel like part of that is, like, that he is, like, protecting the divine feminine, too, Mm -hmm. and, like, wants to, like, make space for them to be wild and free and, like, yeah. And... So I just kind of, like, I really honor Griffin for that because I feel like yeah. he does that. Yeah. And I love it about him.
1: Oh, that is so beautiful. And, it God, I had so many epiphanies as you were talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, because one of the things is, like, you kept referring to Griffin as, like, the sun, you know? Mm-hmm. Which totally makes sense to me. and And I immediately felt Aragon as, like, the moon and, yeah. like, the lunar energy and, like, you know, this, like, even how you and I have talked about how, like, Griffin and his stature is very, like, he's, like, um, his energy goes, like, up, you yeah know? And, and... <laughs> sweet. All the animals are sleeping around us. Yeah. So sweet. Um, and, um... And, and Aragon has this, like, very kind of, like nurturing earthy energy that's almost like dispersed you know rather than going in one direction it just kind of like goes around um and and i i find that so interesting because in so many ways they are almost like opposites you know and it's i find it so interesting that we chose these two very opposite kind of horse personality you know whatever like energies Um, And the the lessons that they're teaching us along the way, which are, like, in some ways similar with a different approach. And in some ways just, like, these other, yeah, like, whatever it was that we kind of needed, you know? So I agree that none of it ever feels feels random. Um, The other thing I remembered, which is really funny because... uh, So when we, when we were naming the horses, it was like very, we were like, just kind of letting it come to us. Right. Yeah. And it was like, one day you'd be like, Hey, for this one, how do you feel about this name? This is what kind of like came to me, you know? And we just kind of were naming them like that. And it was like, I knew that I would name Aragon, like that would, it would come to me. Um, But I was very much like, yeah, I don't know what his name is at all. And then for a while I was like. I knew that it was, that I had gotten that it would start with an A. And and then I think one night, like, before falling asleep, which is such a nice time because your brain's, like, starting to shut off and, like, intuition and just, like, the other realms can be a little bit more accessible. Um, and I heard his name. And I was like, yeah, okay, like, cool, that's his name. So I always feel like they all named themselves in a yeah. lot of ways. <laughs> um, and... I just had this realization, which I knew that the name was so the the name, um there's like a region of Spain, and he's a very Spanish looking horse, but definitely. Um, <laughs> he's got that neck. Um, but he uh, yeah, it's like a like a kind of autonomous region of Spain, which I think is very interesting. Yeah. you know, it's like I make my own rules and like things are gonna go the way that I. Need them to go, you know, not in a vicious way, but just in a, this is what I need. Boundaries, you know, kind of a thing. But it is also a name that is very uh, close to Aragorn in Lord of the Rings. And (laughs) we just rewatched, what, like, a couple weeks ago, I guess. We just rewatched, like, the last Lord of the Rings movie. And... As we were watching it, like I was kind of like feeling this very uh strong, I've always had an affinity for that character in the story. Um, because he's kinda like mysterious and you know, he's like out there and he's also secretly a king, you know? Yeah. And so I was having this, like as you were talking about Griffin, I was having this like memory of kind of like watching the movie and feeling like, oh yeah, that totally actually makes sense, you know, because he has that like kind of behind the scenes hero energy yeah. you know um but also this very kingly quality you know to like somebody who will step up when it needs to happen yeah um but also feels okay if others take the reins you know yeah
0: actually that makes so much sense for me like that character with aragon yeah the horse they even kind of look a little bit alike yeah. <laughs> I because to me Aragon too is also very like kingly and magic and like so knows himself but like just in this different way yeah um that's like I don't know I totally see what you mean with the movie like I can imagine like if he was the hero he would that be that hero that like also his ego is not like too in it yeah like a very grounded he's like man. okay
1: if you must have a king. I shall appear. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Which I'm also really curious when he goes out with the domestic herd here, like how that is for him. And if he's like,
1: your king has appeared. Like, mm-hmm.
0: To match Annie, like she's
1: totally the queen. My sense is that Annie is still going to be the queen yeah. of all. I, just, I agree. You know? And that he's going to take more of a. Not Maybe passive is not the fully right word, but a little bit, like, more background. Yeah. You know? Um, but I guess we'll see. I don't know. That's just, like, what my sense is kind of, like, telling me right now. Yeah. That it'll be fairly harmonious. And I think in order for it to be harmonious, Annie's is going to be queen.
0: I agree. Yeah, like... <sighs> You know, the whole hierarchy of horses, we've talked about this a lot, but, like, I don't think it's, it's not, it's not, like, a set hierarchy. It's, like, that's all kind of a myth, you know, like, like, alpha, beta, whatever, like, is kind of bullshit, um, (laughs) or is bullshit. Um, Alpha, beta, bullshit. Yeah, alpha, beta, bullshit. (laughs) But, like, there is, I think, usually in a herd, like, one horse who is, like, kind of, like, keeps the group together or the piece in this different way. Like, and they aren't necessarily even the leader. Like mm-hmm. they don't necessarily lead them to new places, but just like is the one that if they're in a domestic setting, will eat first or we'll get like total like choice first. And I really feel like Annie is meant for that role. Like oh, yeah. she's so good at it and she's not like a bully. She's full on like mature feminine,
1: like yeah, queen. She is and, like, that's what I think of as, like, a matriarch, you know? Yeah. It's, like, somebody who is fair and kind, and you also don't fuck with them.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, it's, like, it's amazing. She's, almost, she's like, almost intimidating. She's so good. She's so it's awesome. It's true. Like, <laughs> when I watch, you know, and it's so true what you said about, like, even when there's food, you know? Like, usually Luna, because she loves to eat and uh, india i see yeah. them like galloping like racing each other to the food yeah. then there's usually like leah kind of like in that mix um and then annie just like at a casual trot walks in just like looks at everybody everybody like hushes <laughs> and then she just like eats and it's it's it is really beautiful to kind of like see that and see the It's so dynamic, and it's also, like, very organized. Yeah, yeah. And I think about, like, she isn't, like,
0: just a young kind of dominant filly that's coming in. Like, Annie has, like, become wise. Yeah. And she also didn't used to be, like, what you would think of as, like, the herd dominant, quote-unquote. Like, I don't really like that word for it. Yeah. Um, she wasn't that she actually used to be kind of like at the quote unquote bottom of the like eating schedule, like in different herds she's in, but I think she's grown into it with wisdom and that's why she's now so like, it's like rightfully her place in a way. And I also think that having this land where they are more free and more natural dynamics have come out versus like where she used to be, um, has let all of that shine more where there's no longer like a linear hierarchy of who gets to eat like leah pushes luna but luna pushes sierra but sierra pushes leah you know like all these things are so much more like individual (laughs)
1: just a little carousel of ponies
0: yeah (laughs) um so i'm super curious to see how aragon fits in but i feel right about it in the same way that i do not feel right about griffin being in with annie Like, oh my Lord, that would like clash. I feel like that would really clash, but yeah, yeah. that's where like just following the feeling cause like,
1: yeah. And it's, you know, it's so man, so many things again, like when following intuition, you know, it's really interesting because when it comes to like all the other horses, I feel like I rely quite heavily on like your intuition because you've been living with them, like Obviously, like, your horses, you've known for a long time, you know. I feel like you have been really tapped into your intuition, specifically with the horses, but also just, like, in general for a long time and, like, have really kind of made it a practice to, like, listen to it, you know. Um, And I feel so trusting of it. And with Aragon, it's like, I'm like, oh, here's, okay, here I actually need to, like, put in my intuition because he and I definitely have this, like, magic wire together and and I I just love how things have really like are like and continue you know but have fallen into place so magically with things that might seem unrelated changing shifting moving and how it actually then creates space for these possibilities that like Had I intellectually thought about it two months ago, I wouldn't have come up with a quote-unquote solution.
0: Yeah. Man, that has been a big theme, like just us trying to figure out the stallions. I think that part's been kind of like, I think if we, like the times where I haven't trusted it as much has been stressful to be like, what are we going to do with Greg what are we going to do with Aragon? Like, how are we, you know, like, how is it going to work out? And I think that, Just to see us now, like, just kind of, like, step by step being, like, feeling what feels right, doing those tiny, like, um, tiny little actions and decisions have led us to a place where now it feels, like, really good and, like, we have a clear vision. But even at the beginning when I was, like, I feel like we need to geld them, it wasn't a clear vision of how it would look now that they've both been gelded. Yeah. And uh, just trying to trust those little steps and the... Doing the next thing that feels right.
1: Yeah. And it does kind of take practice because it's almost like you hear or you see or you feel that thing come up and it's easy to dismiss. And then you try out not dismissing it and something magical happens. And uh-huh. you, the more we do that, and it might not be ha- like it might not be magical immediately. You know, but it might be that, like, months later, things unfold due to something that at times can even be painful, and then the magic starts happening, and then it all feels a little bit more aligned and, like, in flow, right? Yeah. Um, And and I think that is kind of, like, this thing that we continuously practice, practice, practice. Yeah. And then sometimes, maybe, you know, because circumstances in life and whatever, we... we forget to trust it for a moment. and Which is also okay. Totally. That's yeah. just, I think that that's even part of the flow and the the, the yeah. ebb and flow, I guess, of um, how most things seem to work in life where it's yeah. not just, like, one consistent, like, linear thing. Yeah. And trusting that. I have to say, like, because I
0: think the wild horses have taught me so much about trusting that. And when I think about trusting my intuition, it feels super good and right. And also at the same time, I am like a big scaredy cat. Like I definitely like fear the unknown and the uncertain. And sometimes it's exciting and I like tapping into that part of myself that like trusts with like this positive, um, a positive trusting of like it's going to work out for the better. But sometimes I definitely fear the steps to get there. Like a ton. And I try, I'm trying really just mainly not to think about that. (laughs) (laughs) because I think that like I can't I can definitely like also try to predict things and like that's where I can spook myself so much yes and I don't know I guess just (sighs) trying to trust what feels good like if in the moment the intuition feels good to be like I'm gonna sit with this feeling good and not go into all the scary places of like what could happen yeah. but rather that like right now it feels like relief and that
1: means yeah. something right yeah I feel like I definitely have to give myself a pep talk of like this means something you know because I will it of course like my mind goes into all the fear thoughts like the amounts of times that I thought of Ergon dying is like I mean you know it what just do, you do with that Sometimes I just push it away. <laughs> and I'm just yeah. like, that's bullshit. Don't think about that, you know? Yeah. Um, and sometimes I have a more compassionate approach and it's just like, you, you care. So it's a natural fear to be, yeah, fearful of losing like someone you care so deeply for. Um, I think especially when we are the guardians, you know, to someone, it's, like, we feel, like, okay, now it's my responsibility to, like, keep them alive, to have them have a beautiful life. Like, how can I make them thrive? Like, all of that is now on my shoulders. It, it can easily feel, like, a weight of, like, if I fail at this, it is the end of the world, you know? Yeah. That's, I, I can definitely go into that place. Um, and... Yeah, uh, I think the more I feel into intuition and kind of like act on it, the more, the easier it kind of becomes to discern between fear thoughts and intuitive, you know, or like almost like a premonition or something. Right. Um, I used to have these thoughts about my dog like a long time ago every time I would come home and open the door, I would have this flash of him him just being dead in front of me. Mm. And I, I know exactly what that feels like now, mm-hmm. and I've had that with almost any animal I've ever cared for. So it's kind of like I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm starting to, like, recognize, like, this is that fear thought, you know? Yeah. This is fear. This is what the mind does in order to, like, you know, hold on Um, in a way versus what does, like, a weird premonition look like. It's usually, for me at least, not, like, a very specific thing. It's more of, like, this feels icky, you know?
0: Right, yeah. Like, if you also, if you're in, in like, a dangerous situation, just being like, I don't really want to go yes. there or something. Yeah. Like Yeah,
1: or, like, what I have a lot is, like, I'll be driving mm-hmm. and something catches my attention that for some reason, even if it's not something like super uh, obvious, for some reason it makes me think I need to pay more attention, drive slower, for example.
0: Right. You know? Yeah. I
1: like to think about that as
0: like the, cause I can really get mixed like into that, like the fear spiral yeah. and like being like, is this a fear thought or like, is this a premonition and like go down right. this whole thing. And like, I think, also, I've been really trying to manage fear a lot more recently. And um I like what you're saying about like recognizing when it happens. Like something I've been thinking about is like I used to be so afraid of things happening to Annie all the time and knowing that like like I'd have that every day. And like that wasn't like that was definitely like a fear, like just coming in and it is just that kind of like spooking myself. Um and I used to have that with my goldfish. I was really attached to my goldfish as a kid. and
1: I didn't know you had a goldfish <laughs> as a kid. I did. Aww.
0: I had her for seven years. That's pretty crazy. I got her at a carnival. I was very attached
1: to that goldfish. Wow. <laughs> seven years is a very long time.
0: Yeah, for it was. What was her name? Her name's Goldine. Um, That's a good name. And I remember that I used to, like, as a young kid, have that fear every time I left the bathroom, because she was in my bathroom. I'd be like, like... what's going to happen (laughs) to Goldine? Yeah. And, like, I don't know, it helps me to manage, like, ultimately Goldine did pass, but there were many, many days, seven years of days where, like, she didn't pass. And that was, like, a long life for a goldfish. Yeah. So, like, I don't know, yeah, just, I'm just trying not to think about the fear stuff as much and also know that, like, I don't think intuition is really trying to scare you, you know? Right. And so, like, if I'm having a thought where I, it's like I'm making a story and I'm really scared that, like, trying to be like, you know what, I actually don't think that is intuition because I don't I don't really feel like intuition works in that way yeah. where, like, it's trying to tell you a story to freak you out.
1: Right. You know? Oh, that's such a good point, actually, because it does feel different. It feels more like a – yeah, it doesn't feel like that um... – adrenaline fear reaction that's very physical. Yeah. It's more of like a like a hunch or something. It's like a milder thing, maybe.
0: And I think it at least for me, thinking about it, like it feels more of like when it comes to decisions, it's more of like what feels good, what doesn't. Yeah. And it's more of like, yeah, that subtle like and honestly usually I think more of a like what feels good Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Like and that could be like, you know, going down on the, in the car or something. And I don't feel really good about going that way, but I feel good about going home another way, you totally. know? And like that kind of like subtle thing, but not necessarily like a flash of like, what if I die right now? Right, you
1: know? And it's also interesting to me that like our worst case scenario usually is death, right? And that's also like the one inevitable thing of life. <laughs> Yeah. You know, so it yeah. kind of does make me laugh, like, and of course, like, we don't want anybody around us dying, you know, um, but probably, I would definitely say that the more, the more comfortable I get around death, which is something mm-hmm. that I think about all the time, is also kind of, like, the more comfortable I get with, like, knowing that, yeah, just kind of trusting in that sense that, like, things happen as they happen. Yeah. Whether I'm fearful of it or not. Yeah. Um, they do, and intuition feels definitely more of, like, a guide than, like, a, a choose-your-own-adventure book where, like, 90% of the adventures end in your death. You you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I'm scared. I don't know. Like, I'm
0: definitely not comfortable with, like, death in that way. But I think that that's why I'm just trying to, like, focus more. Like, maybe one day I'll be more comfortable with it. But I think for now, like, for me, because I can go into such a worry and fear mindset to, like, just f- focus on things being more stable than, like, my mind wants to go to, you know? Mm. Like... Because at least – because, you know, worrying or not, like, isn't going to end up changing anything. So at least if I can feel kind of stable yeah. and, like, safe, um, maybe I can handle everything better. But it, it's, like – I don't know. It's – it is scary because sometimes you think of, like, the nature of cycles coming and going. And even with this podcast, it's making me think, like, we're coming to an end. Mm-hmm. And, like, my intuition is, like, that feels really right. Because, like, I'm ready to go do other things and it feels like this is the time to conclude it. And that feels, like, really positive. And I think it's only my fear thought of, like, what does it mean when things end? That makes me scared of it. That makes me think, like, is this a death of some sort? I don't want everything I love to end. And it's, like, but if I really, like, tap into how it feels for me right now in this particular situation, it's, like, it feels really good to conclude this. Because it's been amazing and because I feel like it's just like leading to the next yeah. big adventure. Not so much like I'm losing all of it, but rather like I've had it and now it will stay with me in this really fresh way instead of like trying to drag something on that you feel like isn't doesn't have the same life in it mm-hmm. or won't have the same life in it if you continue. Because that's how I feel. I don't feel like it's lost its life. I feel like if I continue it, it's going to fizzle yeah and I don't want to end on like that fizzle
1: yeah um there's a (laughs) this is funny maybe there's a saying like that in English too but like in German we have the saying of like you should end things oh yeah on a high note is that the English version um and it's funny because I the the strongest memory I have of that is actually a writing memory where um I was in this, like, jumping lesson, you know, and it it was, like, one day when I had to leave early because I had some other weird commitment, whatever, whatever commitments yeah. you have as a kid, <laughs> but um, I had to, like, leave 15 minutes early, and and it was, like, the best class I had ever had, you know, yeah. and my teacher was, like, saying that, you know, like, oh, yeah, well, they say you should leave on a high note, you know, so, yeah. Um, and it's it's really interesting because... I don't know. Like this is like totally going on on a tangent, but I feel so much that our fear of death and endings and change also like perpetuates this um, this way we have as humans often to like let things drag out right. and fizzle out rather than like celebrating the end of something, you know, yeah. or like mourning. The end of something, yeah, when it's done, <coughs> yeah. because oftentimes we know things are done before we end them,
0: yeah. It's so interesting because that's like how I'm I don't know, like I feel very much like right now, like part of the reason why I'm recording these like final episodes is because, like I want to celebrate that this podcast was amazing. you yes. know, and I love doing it. and it's been, like that as the word I've been having in my head is like celebrate it. Like celebrate this ending. Um and also to know that like not every ending is like death. You know what I mean? Like I'm not mm-hmm. dying right now. <laughs> like but it's an ending and it is this one I think is worthy of like the celebration. Yeah. And I'm still like uncomfortable with the thought of death, but I'm also <laughs> This didn't solve your fear of death. <laughs> But I am also, I am going to celebrate this. And I do really want to see this as like, I don't know. I've loved this podcast. I've loved like connecting with everyone in this way. And really, I think it opens more doors to connecting in other ways. And yeah, I just, I want to, I want to let it go out in style or like with celebration. In myself, you know, whether this is – I don't know how, like, everyone's going to respond to it, but just for me and myself and how mm-hmm. it feels internally, I'd be like, this has been fucking awesome. Yeah. And I love all you guys. Yeah. And thank you for being here and listening. And, and yeah, I'm, like, I'm ending it here almost, like, in honor of, like, yeah. what this has been.
1: What an amazing – I mean, if I may also join yeah. into the celebration, but I just – I feel so – Um, just so grateful because you know we've talked about this a little bit in other episodes I think like there's something so magical that happens when you're like having a conversation with your friend and like recording it knowing that other people will listen to it yeah Um, it's almost like stuff just comes out you know and we have conversations like this all the time but there is just something really really special to me about sharing these thoughts that we have, because I love, I want to have conversations with so many people and podcasting has become kind of like this way of sharing stories and ideas and, you know, building community. And it's really interesting. Like you really see that in, you know, in in podcasts like that are at a very large scale, you know, where there's like this whole like crazy fan community that like meets up once a year and like, you know, goes and follows like these people and the, the live podcasts and stuff. And then also like, you know, at like a medium scale at a smaller scale, like just this idea of kind of like still coming together, you know? Um, And you know the the summit kind of like came out of this, and um, to have been able to meet everybody not only who's also been on the podcast, but like who was listening to the podcast, and um, I feel like so many beautiful friendships have emerged, um, immersed, emerged, emerged, emerged out of that. Um, that I just on a personal note feel like so grateful for it. Um, it's been incredibly enriching for my life. Um, not only doing these podcasts with you, but like listening to everyone else and meeting everybody else and getting, I don't know, just like, there's so much information and so much like emotional intelligence in all of these guests that you've had on. And obviously you, it's so, so, so beautiful. Like what a, and it's just there now, you know, it exists, like it has been birthed. Yeah, that, man,
0: I, that's how I love to think of it too, is it's like, it's complete to me. It feels like it was birthed fully now and, like, is out there. And it's not like it's gone, you know what I mean? Like, this is going to, this podcast is going to stay out there and, like, I think it's just more that it's, like, it's been created.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's more like the baby bird leaving the nest, you know, than, like this death
0: yeah yeah i feel like and i i don't know i love that like i'm smiling so much thinking about like it's a completed project yeah like that's just really lovely yeah that's really nice like you did a podcast I did a podcast and i'm just like i am so freaking grateful everyone who's been on this podcast just like is amazing yeah. and i'm so grateful i got to make this with you guys and and everyone who listens to like i really feel like this community is amazing yeah and I'm just, my life is, like, so much better for having been a part of this project. Um, Ditto. So much better.
1: Yeah. This has been such a sweet, sweet, sweet experience. I just feel very grateful to you and everybody on it and everybody listening and everybody who's reached out and everybody who hasn't reached out. You know, just, it's... Yeah. Just a big smile. One big smile. Yeah. I... Oh, and I'm so happy
0: that we did this last episode together. I feel like you're the most co- common guest.
1: I was going <laughs> to ask you. I was like, my ego really wants to know about was. <laughs> I,
0: think you, I think you've been on the podcast
1: the most. Which also is fitting because we've had a lot
0: to say about the wild horses and the stuff we've been doing so closely yeah. together. And I, I love that we, like... I don't know, I didn't ever imagine we would, like, end the podcast on an episode about gelding the Stallions, but, like, it really did feel like a right kind of wrap-up, and I don't know why exactly, but...
1: You know, as we were kind of talking about it, and I was, like, reflecting on the the past, it, it kind of... I think maybe it does reflect it, because it's also, like... It is an ending of something, but it's also a birthing of something. It's totally a birthing. Right? And it's like the new life is also, you know, now starting to happen, which is really beautiful. And it also kind of like is really a completion of like one aspect of the journey we've been on since kind of like around when the podcast started, you know, and um, moving and you know all the all the kind of like um big changes and transitions and and shifts that have happened throughout the podcast like a lot of it really was like intertwined with the wild horses and yeah um and this is kind of like the settling of like okay this is how it's most likely going to look now for a while yeah that actually like
0: I resonate with that so
1: much I feel
0: like it's been so amazing the way things have been at this ranch. And it really feels like we're going into a transition of like, now that the stallions are going to be with different herds, like everything's organized a little differently. And like, it feels so good. And I'm so excited to like see the new chapter. And it does feel like it's that it's like symbolic of that. Um, and like of so much excitement in life that's good and possibility that's going to be able to happen now. Um, Another thing I really liked about it when I was thinking about like bringing this topic in is I feel like a big theme of this entire podcast has been um, compassion over the harsh right and wrong Mm -hmm. and compassion over like dogma. And even in like this space with horses where we're trying to really do what is right by them to like allow that space to not be like this is how you do well by horses this is abuse blah 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 um and you know like we're trying to advocate for horse welfare but I think it's so much more human and so much more compassionate to like look at the individual horses and be like this is what feels right and we're trying our best in these situations and I think that like that has come through with the guests on this podcast and the themes in general has been like compassion over good and bad and what that means and that means so much to me and is really important and that these decisions for the stallions have really like also made me lean into that even more of like I have to let go of this ideal of what I think is good and bad right now and do what is compassionate for us and the horses
1: Amen
0: (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Ah Well, thank you guys all so much for being here. Thank you, Nina, again. And thank you, everyone, for listening. It's it's so awesome. This is like my last time of saying I won't see you next week. <laughs> not that it's been a few weeks or a few months since we've had an episode anyway, so I'm not that used to saying it. But I don't know. There's a format of the podcast and to be like – yeah. Here we go, baby birds. Yeah. Let's fly out. Let's fly out. And let's go meet up in person Yay. once all this Corona stuff. Is. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> or online, whatever. Yes. Until we meet again. Until we meet again. Thank you, everyone, so, so much. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> I want to give a huge thank you to Nina for being on our last episode today, as well as a huge thank you to all the guests we've had throughout the season. I also want to give a giant thank you to Lily Misher, who wrote, performed, and produced our theme song, Horse. Lily has a new album out on Spotify called Blucid, which is amazing, and I definitely think you guys should check it out if you like our theme song. And thank you to everyone who has listened and supported this show. You guys really do mean the world to me. If you want to follow the Wild Horses journey or stay up to date with what we're doing over here, you can follow me on Instagram at littlepistolani and on our website libertyhorsemanship.com. I'm going to be updating you guys with all the new things we're doing and the new projects that are coming out. And as far as the Wild Horses go, we actually just became an official 501c3 a true sanctuary and nonprofit, which is super super exciting. So if you want more information on them and what we're doing with the Wild Horses, definitely stay up to date with our Instagram and on the website. Since the Wild Horse Sanctuary is official, I can tell you its true name, which is Artemis Wild Horse Sanctuary. It's been really special, guys. Thank you for spending like the last two years with me here on this podcast. I imagine that this is not truly the end, but just a new beginning. I wish I had some catchy catchphrase to say right now to end this off, but you guys have really made this wonderful and I love you all. All right, guys, I'll see you later.